and I had one leg over the saddle. I was so nearly falling off him, <laughs> and uh, my dad just laughed at me because he thought, you know, that that'll teach you to get a little bit ahead of yourself. <laughs> Horses have a habit of doing that, don't they? They do. Welcome to the Charles Owen podcast. Charles Owen has been manufacturing high-performance, stylish riding helmets since 1911. And to celebrate its 110th birthday, we are interviewing a range of riders, from the biggest names in equestrian sport to up-and-coming superstars. In these exclusive interviews, they reveal their highs and lows and share their secret to success in this challenging sport. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Joe, welcome to the Charles Owen podcast. Thank you very much for being here with us. No problem at all. It's my pleasure. Now, I've got to say, and obviously, as the son of show jumper Tim Stockdale, I imagine you were on a horse from a very young age. Uh, yes. What I would like to know is, um, I mean, you're probably on a horse way before you can remember. What I'd like to know is, what is your earliest memory of riding? My earliest memory... Um, see, like you say, I've actually, there's loads of photos of me being really little as a baby on horses and things with my dad and stuff. But actually, my earliest memory would probably be, probably from a, uh, a mounted games meet, probably in a big open field on a freezing cold day, um, on my little 10-2 pony called Miss Muffet that I had. <laughs> That's a great uh, name. It was my first proper pony. Um, so it was probably, yeah, I seem to have a picture of that in my mind, in a big open field doing mount, like the bending poles up and down. So what point did you start to focus on show jumping? I think the first time where I really just purely went into the show jumping is I had a 14-2 pony called Twilight Blue. And she mm-hmm. was probably the first one. I did all the other stuff. I actually had a lot to chat on her as well. But she probably made that transition for me to go purely show jumping, I would have said. And you made your Olympiad debut two years ago, I believe, when you were riding... Talking about, I mean, you have, you know, it hasn't gone up in height that much, really, because you're talking about 14-2 pony, and the horse you made your debut at Olympia was only 15-2, <laughs> that's Gunner. Yes. Now, you're six foot one, which is so, see, so that sounds like a pretty special horse. Oh, he's very special. Yeah, he's, uh, he's one of those where he, you know, he's not, um, you know, an absolute superstar that's going to go to the Olympics, but he's got so much heart. And no matter what you ask him to do, um, you know, he would never... He'd never back down. He'd try his heart out to try and jump the fences for you. And uh, he's just one of those who really, really enjoys his job. He really enjoys going mm. out and jumping. Um, and I think because he has that attitude, that's what makes him so good. And is it right you started you started competing him in a metre classes? Is that right? Yeah, so when he first came, he, he hadn't done a lot. Um, he'd, done, he'd sort of had a bit of a mixed uh, a mixed batch when he'd been produced. He was at a dressage yard for a couple of years and... And the lady that owns him had, had bought, bought him very young, sort of for her to, to hack about, do a few little bits on. And she, she started jumping him just around small stuff. And then obviously, you know, being a, a little, small little stallion, he got a little bit feisty, a little bit hot. So then he did a few different things. He went to a jumping yard for a little bit, but didn't do so much. And then he went, did a bit of dressage. Um, but before I got him, he really hadn't done a lot of jumping. He didn't come, um, you know, produced or, or ready-made or, or anything like that. And... What was quite nice is we sort of went up the levels together. Yeah. And and I sort of grew, I started to go up the classes as he started to go up the classes. So we sort of learned it as we went. So did you ever imagine that you'd be taking him to Olympia? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> if you jumped, jumped round a, a metre ten and you said, oh, he's a nice metre ten horse. And then you maybe put him in a 120. He goes, oh, he's, he's actually, you know, he's a bit better than that. He's probably a nice 120 horse. And then with him, he just kept <laughs> going up and up and up. And then he jumped, you know, 160 Grand Prix. Um, because wow. he just, he'll just keep going because he'll just keep trying for you. He'll never 
give up yeah. or, or say it's too much. He, he's not frightened of anything. So, uh, yeah, he's just one of those where no matter what you ask him, he'll keep trying for you. Who would you say has been the most important horse or pony in your career so far? I think, um, you know, I had some important ponies to start off with, you know, Twilight Blue, which I had. She was very special uh, to me and really helped me produce my riding and things. But uh, probably the most influential is uh, is Gunner because without him, I probably wouldn't be riding today. I probably wouldn't have gone down this route. Mm. Um, it was mm. only because of him getting me qualified for a few of those bigger shows, jumping at Horse of the Year show. And actually, that sort of gave me the confidence that I could do this job and I, I would have, you know, been able to, to make a career in it. So I think if I hadn't had him to sort of give me that confidence and take me to those shows and do those things that I've done, then uh, I probably wouldn't be jumping today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the horses you've got now, and you've got some amazing top horses, a few of which are your dad's former rides. So you've got a Cacherelle. Yes, so I'm uh, planning to jump her in the Nations Cup here uh, in Verhair, where I am at the minute. Fantastic. So you're on the you're on the the Sunshine Tour out in Spain yes. right now, aren't you? Yes. And would this be your first Nations Cup? My first senior Nations Cup. Yeah, my first three Sun Nations Cup. I'll be on the team for. Fantastic. Another top horse I've got to talk about is Don Diego de Plata. Now, was also your dad's horse. Now, I understand there's quite a funny story behind that. It had a bit of a habit of getting your dad off, I understand, <laughs> in the warm-up. So can you tell us about that? And I understand you, um, you, you're doing a little bit better than your dad. <laughs> yeah, Didi, he's, um, he's a cheeky horse. He's, uh, he's got such a character to him um, and he's got a lot of attitude. So uh, when we first got him and, and dad was producing him and doing a bit with him, actually, he was so naughty and he can spin round in a heartbeat. You know, you wouldn't see it coming. He'd be cantering along with that. He'd be off in the other direction and mm. you'd be you'd be eating the sand. So he's, he's very naughty, but not in a nasty way. He's just a cheeky horse. Uh, he's got a lot of attitude, but if you can tap into that and get him to, to sort of put that, you know, get his mind right and focus on the job, he's, uh, he's a hell of a horse and a serious Grand Prix horse for me. But yeah, no, he, he did have dad off a few times. He came off him a few times at home and there was one day that uh, we went to Addington and he, he jumped round, he came past the collector and gate and did he spun round and, and dad came off. And so he went, right, okay, well, we'll go back in. And went in at the end of the class, <gasps> went in HC. And he came round again, and you wouldn't believe it, he did the exact same thing. <laughs> went past the gate, spun around, came back out, and Dad, and dad was left on the floor again. So he's, uh, he's a very cheeky horse. And has, has he done that to you? Um, he did it the very first time I rode him. He, I'd, I'd actually jump round. I'd actually jump my uh, first 140 on him. I was absolutely over the moon. He, he jumped great, and, uh, you know, I was very happy. And I came out into the warm-up. And I was along there chatting to Dad, and I was probably getting a bit cocky and saying that, oh, you know, he didn't spin around with me. And then with that, in the warm-up, as I was walking him off, he spun round. And I had one leg over the saddle. I was so nearly falling off him. And uh, my dad just laughed at me because he thought, you know, that, that'll teach you to get a little bit ahead of yourself and, and yeah. sort of... <laughs> Horses have a habit of doing that, don't they? They do. Now, I understand, so you, you rode him at Hoy's when your dad was watching from, from hospital mm. and you won the five-bar challenge. So I imagine that must have been amazing for you, kind of really mixed emotions. Yeah, it, that was, uh, you know, that was very special because I sort of went into that class... I didn't, I didn't, to be honest, I went to that show not even expecting to get a result. I was, I was absolutely over the moon to be there. Mm. Uh, I really wasn't expecting to, to sort of get any result in any way. So I thought, you know, Dad said to me, that would be a good class for you the first day because it starts off not too big the first round and then you can get going and you can go in and out the ring a couple of times if you, if you don't have fence down. So it's quite good to, you know, you see that would be quite good and then you can come out after a couple of rounds and, and sort of retire. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he jumped the first couple of rounds. And I thought, you know, he's feeling pretty good here. And it started to get a bit bigger and a bit bigger. <laughs> um, and so I, 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 I ran down. I said, you know, he feels good. I think we'll keep going with him. So you did. You, so you called your dad to kind of say, what shall yeah, I do? Yeah, so I, every time I came out the ring, I'd ring him again because he was watching it there. And I sort of said, you know, what do you think I do, should do? Should I go back in again? And so we just carried on and carried on. And then I think it was, it was the second to last round I jumped, not the last round. And I went in and I thought, you know, I best just show him. I'll just show him the big oxer in the middle just so just he knows how big it is. And that was the biggest mistake I made. So I trotted straight up to it and I went next to it and I absolutely terrified myself because I saw how big it was. Because um, they'd, they'd actually, they'd run out of uh, <laughs> holes on the top of the wings. So they'd put the the puissance blocks underneath the wings and then put it on top of that so, to make the fence even bigger. Right, so it scared you. Yeah. It scared well, you, not the I, horse. I, I wasn't quite sure. I didn't quite <laughs> realise it was getting that big because I, I just canted in and started my course, basically. That was the first time I'd actually yeah. gone right up next to the fence and realised quite how big it was. So, <laughs> How big was um, it? I can't remember. I know it was 186 was the last vertical that you jumped. So there was a... You, you jumped basically a, a line, vertical oxer and a big, big, this was the big oxer across the middle. Um, and then he did a triple bar off the turn down to the, the really tall vertical to finish. Mm. And I know that the last vertical was about 186. I don't know how big the oxer was in the middle, but like I said, they'd run, it was the Olympic wings and they'd run out of holes on the top of the Olympic wings. Well, and it's the, well, it's the width as yeah, well, isn't it? Yeah, so I've got a good photo of him, of him jumping there. Fantastic. And you won it? Yes, yeah. So he was, he was joint first in that with, uh, with a couple other riders. I've got Harry Charles and... Uh, Rob Murphy as well, a couple of young riders, and then Helen Treadwell. So we all we decided to share it after, I think it was either the fourth or the fifth round. We'd gone quite a few rounds at that point. A wise move. Yes. Quit, quit while you're ahead. <laughs> now, I've also read that you used to ride Calico Bay. He's now retired, mm. and obviously that was your dad's, one of your, your dad's top, top horse. And I read that he sort of taught you things. So if you wanted to learn something new, or is that why you rode him at lower levels? Can you tell me about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've... Started to jump him, you know, when he was sort of semi-retired, he was he was sort of too fit to just be be, be thrown out in the field and fully retired. So um, I took him to a few smaller shows and the idea was basically that he would, you know, he'd teach me a bit and I, I'd get the feeling what it was like to ride uh, a horse such as him that's so well schooled and so, you know, so yeah. experienced and things. Um, and, and yeah, he taught me a huge amount in the ring and, and especially on the flat as well. Because um, even today, he's, he's still kept out. He's hacked out now and then and, and has an easy life. But he, he enjoys yeah. his work every now and then. And I find it very helpful if I'm, um, you know, struggling with a, a, an exercise with one horse or I can't quite figure out how to, how the, to get them to do one movement or, or whatever it is. Um, I like to go back and I'll have a sit on Frankie and I'll, I'll ride him because... I can then figure out how he does it and then I can try and replicate that and try and teach, you know, the, the younger horse or the less experienced horse Fantastic. how to do it. Um, because on the flat and, and in the ring, wow. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to get a better horse than him. He can do everything you ask and do it so easily. Mm. And he can just make you look like mm. such... He can make you look such a good rider when you're doing it on the flat. Um, <laughs> equally, if, if you get on him and you're, you're not quite sure what you're doing, he, he can figure you out quite quickly and he'll, he'll go around with his head stuck him in the air and, and sort of take the mickey. <laughs> so he's, he's a cheeky old man like that. Amazing opportunity for you to have access mm. to that, that, that experience, which is incredible. Now, obviously, your dad, I'm assuming, was your trainer and helped you a lot. I was very fortunate enough to meet your dad and interview him a few times and he was just always the most kind of charming, amazing, just lovely, positive man. What, what was he like as a trainer? Yeah, well, actually, to start off with, it was mainly my mum that, uh, that always helped me. 
um, you know, all the way through ponies and pony club okay. and, and right up until uh, I had my first horse, that was, you know, mum always helped me and was, and was off for me on the days going to the, the pony club rallies and, and my little shows that I was going to. So, yeah, and then when I, obviously, I, I got my, my first couple of horses and I started to go to a few shows with dad and I went to a couple of internationals, that's when he started to help me a little bit more. He's, he was a fantastic sure. trainer. You'd struggle to get anyone really better that would, that would be so good on the floor to explain things. Obviously, being my dad, we, we had our fallings out of uh, yes. arguing that I always thought I was right and obviously <laughs> I definitely wasn't. Um, <laughs> Like you do, but then I sort of learned to keep my mouth shut and actually listen to what he was saying, and and uh, I then started to get a bit better as well. Fantastic! And so, does your mum? Does she kind of help you out now, or have you got another trainer? How or do you just train yourself? So um, I'm very lucky that uh, I've been having a lot of help from Will and Pippa Funnel. Amazing um, at the Billy Stud, yeah. and then to be able to get uh, you know tap into some of that experience from Will and Pippa's is an amazing opportunity and it's, it's helped my riding so much. You're sort of talking about, you know, the things you need to work on. What do you think is your strength as a show jumper? And what do you think you do need to work on? Uh, endless things that I need to work on. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's always something. Uh, I don't think there's any point in your career where you're going to say you've got it mastered because there's no. always going to be a tricky horse or, or something that you're, you're not used to. You haven't quite figured out how to work out yet. So I don't think you ever stop learning. Uh, in this job for sure I don't think anybody's got it mastered to a T and and they can tell you how to figure out every horse because it it just doesn't work like that it's all about the partnerships you have with them yes um you know I'm not sure what my strength would be I I quite enjoy actually the training side and I've always enjoyed you know with the other sports I played I actually enjoy the training a lot um because I like to see improvements I like to be Mm -hmm. able to work on things and make things better and um, I don't like. I I feel I have I have to be working on something. I have to be making something better for it to be worthwhile. Sometimes, sure, so sure, um, sure. I, maybe that's the strength of mine. Is actually I I probably enjoy the the training side and, and trying to improve myself and the horses as much as actually competing them in the end. Twenty nineteen was a really good year for you. You won your first ranking class in Spain, and you won the under twenty five class at Royal Windsor. And you were also selected to be mm-hmm. part of the Young Rider squad at the European Championship. So that was a obviously a good year for you. What would you say in your career has been your most memorable moment? Um, my most memorable moment probably was uh, that first year that I qualified for Horse of the Year show. Um, Dad was obviously in hospital. I went there and uh, we were sort of umming and ahhing the first, you know, on that last day, whether to jump the Grand Prix or not, because I only had my my little stallion gunner. Yeah. Um, he'd never jumped anything, you know, we'd only just jumped our first 150 at the national championship. So to go into a 160 Grand Prix um, was quite a step up. Yes. Um, so we decided to go in and we said, you know, if he has a couple down, I could put my hand up, come out, retire and whatever. And, and actually it's fine. Um, and, and when he went in there and jumped clear, that was, you know, it was such a shock that, uh, although I, you know, you have to believe in yourself and I had to believe in him, to yeah. actually go in and do it, it's a very different thing. Um, you know, if he'd had two down, I would have probably been over the moon with how, how it had gone. So Mm-mm. to actually go in there and jump clear uh, around a Grand Prix like that was, yeah, that was pretty special. And like I say, that probably gave me the confidence to to sort of carry on with yes. this job and, and to get to where where we are now, really. So that's, uh, that's a pretty... Sure. A big moment. Long-term ambitions. Is there anything particularly you've got your eye on, a, a particular thing, you know, your bucket list of of things you'd like to achieve, things you'd like to win? 
Um, yeah, there's a couple I'd, uh, you know, the King George V Gold Cup at Hickstead was... I was going to mention that because obviously your dad won that. Yeah, that was probably his, what he would class as one of his greatest achievements uh, to go and win that. So, <laughs> so obviously that's up there. That's, uh, you know, one that I have got my eye on for one day. Um, and then, of course, you know, every, everybody looks at the Olympics um, uh, as a major goal. I think that's the pinnacle of, of the sport. Um, mm. so, so for me, certainly those, those two are probably pretty high up on my list. Sure, sure. And in addition to your show jumping, you've also got a successful YouTube channel. Now, whose idea? Whose idea was that? Why did you decide to set that up? So it was actually my uh, my good friend Floss. She, I've, we've been in the Pony Club together since we were uh, very, very young. My dad was a massive ambassador for the sport of show jumping and trying to grow yes. grow the profile for the sport and get people interested. And you know, I sort of wanted to to try my best to you know, live up to that. It's a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. And so Floss had the idea to go into the YouTube side of things. Sure. Because you're also producer vlog, don't you, for the FEI? You're the only show jumper influencer for the FEI. Mm. And how did that happen? Uh, just, just they, they basically contacted us uh, through through the few of the videos that we'd made and, and they said that, you know, could we do something for them? So obviously it was, you know, I, I'm happy to take that opportunity to to do to work with them and and you know the same thing try and just grow the profile a bit for the sport in any way yeah. I can I, you know obviously it's not a massive impact in the grand scheme of things but anything if it gets a couple more people interested in the sport then they, they want to go out and take up riding then then you know that's that's done a job and and I'm pretty pleased with that fantastic now obviously there is a an alternative to this as well as raising the profile of show jumping is raising the profile of you Joe now we know that you are quite popular with, with the teenage girls aren't you um <laughs> and um what how's that been for you kind of people wanting your autograph and I'm sure that when you got into this sport you didn't sort of think heartthrob status um but how's how's that been that side of things um I'm not sure really I mean I, I always saw it with my dad when I you know when we go around the big shows with him obviously you get people are coming up and asking for autographs and although I, mine's nothing like that um it's nice that people so I take an interest and actually know who you are and and uh, an interest in how you're getting on and and yeah it, it's nice that people are actually interested and in, and in sort of enjoy watching those few bits and let and enjoy the, you know seeing the horses and getting to know my horses sure um, they sort of feel like they're they're a part of you know part of the team and they're part of of what we're doing which uh, you know is it's a nice feeling to have. Absolutely. And, and you teamed up with Esme of this Esme fame, who's also been on this podcast. So how, mm. did, how did that come about? It's one of those things, you know, she had been at uh, Hickstead doing doing a few bits there and filming and what have you. And uh, and we met her there and sort of had got chatting and, and, and whatever. And we said, you know, I was, you know, obviously we're nothing near the, the profile of her, actually, you know, to be able to go and do something with her and sort of combine the two of, of her following and, and, you know, hopefully get them into just purely the show jumping side as well as what she does which is a, a lot of the other bits as well mm, um mm. you know I thought I thought it was a good idea and and she was happy to do it so it was yeah it was good to be able to work with her and and sort of get a bit of that exposure to to such a big sure. audience so we've got lots of questions here from from Charles Owen fans we put some questions out on Instagram and we've had so many questions I can't, I mean, I, you know, we'd have to do a two-hour podcast to get them all in, because which is just testament to, to all your fans. Some really lovely questions. So a question I've got here, it was from Izzy Scott 18 and Equi.Sophia. Both asked you a sort of similar question, was do you have mm. days when you feel insecure about riding or when you're nervous? 
Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, people don't necessarily like to admit it. Um, but yeah, there's definitely days. There's definitely days where uh, you're at home sometimes on your own and you're working away with the horses and things aren't going quite right. And, and it's very easy to think that you don't know how to solve them, you don't know how to fix them. Um, and often you can't do it straight away. Um, so the, a massive thing that I've learned just uh, in this short period of time that I've been been doing this is actually on those days, sometimes it's better just to, to call it a day. You, you don't fall out of the horse, you give him a pat and you come back at it with a with sort of a fresh state of mind the next day and, and just go about it slightly differently. And and yeah, it's definitely, it's not it's not an easy job, this one. Um, it's, no. it's really not. It's very, very difficult. It's very... Um, you know, it's difficult to understand because you're trying to make, you know, communicate with the horse and, and get them to understand yeah. things. And so, so yeah, there's definitely days where you feel like you don't know the solution, you don't know how to fix things. But um, I think if you, you keep persisting and, and actually you take your time, you don't fall out with the horses, you, you just try and let them understand what you want. They'll often then, they'll often come round and there'll be a day where it'll mm. just click and they'll understand and you think, wow, mm. you know, that's fantastic. That's an amazing feeling that you've been able to achieve that with them. And what, what about in terms of, you know, competition nerves? Do you get nervous before you compete? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely used to get uh, very nervous before I compete. Um, you know, you put pressure on yourself to try and try and do well and you, you want everybody wants to go out and do well. And yeah, I think you, everybody, I think anybody says they don't get nervous at all, I think it's got to be lying slightly because actually it's it's quite natural to get a little bit of nerves, whether that's butterflies in your stomach or you just you're very focused or whatever it is. Everybody changes their state of mind slightly before they go in the ring and they jump around a big yes. Grand Prix um, because you have to just just be on your game and and ready. So yeah, I, I think as long as you look at your nerves and you don't think that they are, you know, they're not going to be detrimental and actually accept that being nervous isn't a bad thing. Um, then you won't start worrying. If if you think I'm nervous, that's bad. I'm going to do badly, and, and you get down in this spiral of of how how things are going to go wrong. Actually, that's when nerves are a problem. But actually, if you just think you're nervous, you're going to be nervous. It's a big it's a big class, and focus on what you know the simple things, what you're trying to do. Then, yeah, uh, more often than not, actually you kind of forget about your nerves, and you can carry on and, yeah. and focus on what you want to do. That's great. No, I think that's really that's sound advice. Avi Dog Daily wants to know. What's your biggest inspiration? And Erin Parrish, similar question. What inspired you to become the rider you are today? So really, yeah, who, who's inspired you and who continues to inspire you? Um, you know, it's probably a bit cheesy, but I probably would say, uh, would say the old man um, because <laughs> cause of the way he, he came up and, and he came from not a horsey background and, and worked his way up to the top um, and, and produced his horses and... And, uh, you know, it wasn't all handed to him. Um, so the way that he really had to work, and, and I think he'd struggle to find anybody that would work harder than him, um, to, to get to where he wanted to do, that's, that definitely yeah. is a, a big driving yeah. force behind, you know, the attitude I want to take. And hopefully, you know, it'll pay off and I can get to where I want to go with, uh, you know, with, especially with what I've been, been provided by, by his hard work beforehand as well. Absolutely. It's his legacy, isn't it, you're carrying on, which is... Which is an amazing thing, and I imagine can be both a, a kind of a, a pressure, a blessing and a curse, I suppose. <laughs> do Do you feel the pressure? Yeah, I think there's, there's definitely a bit of pressure, because uh, I could, but I think it's more pressure that I put on myself. I don't think anyone else yes. puts, would put pressure on me, um, but certainly I want to be able to live up to that, and I want to be able to, you know, uh, make him proud in what I'm doing. So, um, 
yeah, I'd probably put pressure on myself. As long as I don't put too much pressure where it's detrimental to me and actually I just have a clear goal of where I want to get to straight away at that point, that goal where I'm aiming. Actually, it's going to take a bit of time and although I want to you know, get there as quickly as possible and I don't want to make the mistakes I'm going to make, sometimes it's difficult to do, but you have to accept it. Um, and yeah. it's very difficult to accept. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say I accept it particularly well when I make a mistake, but, you, you know, you don't have a choice. It's going to happen. Um, but also that that's how you learn, you know? Yeah. I mean, mis- mistakes are learning processes. That's, that's, and you're still yeah. in 21, you know? It, it, yeah, it de- definitely. Mistakes are it, mistakes are how you learn. You know, I'm going to make far more mistakes than I have made. I've, as long as I don't make that mistake again, I've hopefully then, um, you know, it, it's I've learned from it and I've actually achieved something out of doing it. Absolutely. Would you say, are you quite, um, are you a half glass, are you a glass half full person or a glass half empty person? Um, I try to be a glass half full person. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's not always easy to be like that, but I think certainly in a sport like this where you have so many ups and downs, um, if you if you're always looking at the negatives, you're always going to find negatives. Whether you jump double clear mm-hmm. in a Grand Prix, there's always going to be somewhere where you could be better. There's always going to be something, mm-hmm. and it's worth noting those things. It's worth learning off mm-hmm. those things, but as long mm-hmm. as you don't get hung up on them and then actually turn a good result into a bad result, then you're never going to have any good results. Yeah, it's it's difficult to do because you know as I want to I want to get better I want to improve so it's easy to look at all the things that I've done wrong and I don't mind doing that but as long as I don't let that become the only thing I see and actually I miss all the good bits then yeah I think that's it, you, you'll learn from it rather than it becoming every result you have it could be better um, and I've got a question here from Dwyer 5079 um, obviously you've you've got some amazing horses and you've ridden some amazing horses if you could own any horse dead or alive who would it be that's quite a question um, on the spot but. yeah i'd actually you know there's probably better horses out there and probably more exciting horses but i'd like to ride my dad's olympic horse Colato. um ah uh, yes because i never got to ride her and i'd love to be able to feel what she was like and sort of compare it to the horses I've got today and, and, and what they're like. So I'd like to be able to sort of relive what it was like to ride her when she was in her prime and, and sort of give an idea of, of, you know, what it would have been like to jump her around the Olympics, really. Yes. So quite a personal one, but, uh, but yeah, that's who I'd choose. Gabby Perry wants to know, do you teach? Uh, yeah, I do do a little bit of teaching. Uh, yeah, when when it's possible, it's quite difficult, um, you know, with, with shows and what have you and, and going off to, to internationals and getting my horses ready. It's sometimes difficult to fit it in, but I do, I enjoy teaching. I, I enjoy being able to sort of hopefully see an improvement in people and the horses and and uh, and I like people, you know, going away feeling like they've achieved something from, from a lesson and they've actually learned something from it. So it can be very rewarding doing the teaching, yeah, I, mm. I do. There's quite a lot of people here asking for lessons, just so you know. <laughs> Lots of people want to ask for lessons. Actually, but a nice question here that people have also been asking advice on, on you know, with their horses. Samantha, spelt with a P-H-A, mm. what's your best tip for not getting, getting ahead of your horse, approaching a jump? Well, it, it all comes down to balance. And, um, you know, a lot of that will actually come from the flat work you're doing with them. So, um, you know, when I first started you know doing a bit more of this and actually my balance was terrible I was all you know all over the place so I've worked very hard I ride you know when I went to Will and Pip's uh Pip got me riding around for an hour without stirrups on working one to make Hmm. sure 
um, I could actually sit in the middle and, and I wasn't uh, losing my balance backwards or forwards when I was jumping around over cavalettis and, and little fences. So, well, we sort of back to basic stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's all that's purely back to basics and, and being able to control your balance and hold your body strong. Yes. That determines whether you're going to be off balance forward or backwards or whatever it is. And I think you have to feel that as if when you're cantering around, if I was to take my drop my reins and take my feet out the stirrups I wouldn't fall anywhere I should be perfectly in the middle of the horse and I should hopefully be able to stay there all the time whether they're doing a transition from walk to canter or or from canter to walk or, or whatever it is if they're changing their their balance backwards and forwards I need to be able to stay in yes. the middle as well Beth Carter wants to know will you marry me um <laughs> sorry Beth probably not at the minute <laughs> not today no <laughs> But I think your girlfriend might have something to say, to say about that. Because you've got yeah. a girlfriend, is that right, Joe? <laughs> yes, I do, yeah. Yeah, she might have something to say about that. <laughs> so does she ride? No, no, she she wouldn't know one end from the other. Does she come and watch you compete? Uh, yeah, she does now and then, yeah. Especially if you're in Spain, that might be nice. Yeah, she likes a nice holiday. Yeah, she likes a nice holiday when she's <laughs> So if I'm going to a cold, cold winter's evening to an indoor show or something, then she's probably not that interested. But <laughs> but going to a nice yes. sunny Spain, then yeah, probably... <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. I think she's got her priorities right there. <laughs> I've got three questions that we ask all our riders on the Charzone podcast. Mm-hmm. And the first question is, I am happiest when? I'm happiest when... Uh, I'm probably happiest when I'm winning. Um, it's quite hmm. an easy answer. Yeah. And which would you say? I mean, we've spoken about you know about your wins. Is there a particular a particular win um, for you? Winning the under twenty five class at, at Royal Windsor that was pretty special. That's yeah. You know that's a massive show and and actually a show that I really really want to be able to jump the five star at uh, hopefully one day soon. Um, so yeah, to be able to go and win a class there was was very special and uh, yeah that was that was a good day. Mm, mm. Now we've got another question. We say, "What I wish I'd known ten years ago." And ten years ago, you were only eleven, so I don't think that's. <laughs> so what I'm going to say is, "What do you wish you'd known when you first started out on horses?" Um, is there anything you know now that you wish you'd known back then? I wish I'd known, you know, how many, you know, the ups and downs you were going to have. That uh, it's not going to go well every day, and it's not going to go badly every day. Actually, sometimes mm. you're going to have a good day, and mm. then it's going to pretty quickly bring you back down to earth and you have a bad day and then and then hopefully again you can have a good day and it's it's a roller coaster of emotions when you when you do this job because uh it never never seems to go perfectly according to plan no as i say i mean that's horses isn't it yeah yeah if you hadn't been a show jumper what would you have been i would have quite liked to to give it a go being a cricketer i played a bit for um for northamptonshire you know through the age groups and i played a couple second team games for them um so yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a very that's an, again a very tough sport to be able to make it in, and it's it's pretty ruthless in, uh, you know, getting to that top level. Um, but that I think if if I hadn't gone into the riding, that would be where I was aiming to go. Mm. Always, always up until you know later on, I was always that was my plan. I wanted to be a cricketer, um, and I did a bit of riding for fun. Yeah, wasn't there? There was a real point, wasn't there, where you suddenly made the choice? Why did you, you know, why pursue the horses? Well, you know, my dad got very ill, and 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 so he couldn't ride. So then I started to, I, I had to work with the horses, you know, every day and do a bit with them. And 
and stuff mm. like that and and I really enjoyed it um I'd had a couple of good results at uh, a the year show at that first show like I said and mm. yeah I, I saw it was between the two it was either I was going to go to cricket and we would sell the yard and, and things and we'd we'd change our you know our lifestyle a bit or I would uh, go into the riding mm. and so really it was you said at the beginning of the interview it was Ghana that that, that it was you know that gave you the confidence so really was would you say that was you know that incredible little horse yeah, without, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. believe in yourself. Yeah, 100%. It was to, purely wow. purely down to him, to be honest. And incredible to, to take on your, you know, take on your, on your dad's business, and which is a lot. That's a lot to take on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what I decided, and I'm glad I did, because I think it was the right decision. Because, yeah, yeah I, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything at this point. And we're so glad you did, Joe, because it's fantastic following your career, and absolutely, you have definitely made the right decision. <laughs> Cricket's loss is show jumping's game. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it's been really, really lovely to talk to you, and um, we do wish you all the best of the future. I'm fairly sure I'm going to see you holding that King George the Fifth trophy. Fingers crossed. Absolutely, that, that would be nice. It would indeed. Yeah. I can't let him do me. You know, he would have beaten me otherwise. So I've got to, uh, I've got to make sure I've accomplished that one at least. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Cool. No, thank you very much. <laughs>